This is a presentation of Dawn Forge Productions. You're listening to Group Quest, Episode 18. Welcome to Zul again. You've been schooled. Today's podcast is brought to you by Audible.com. Get a free audiobook download at audibletrial.com slash quest. Over 85,000 titles to choose from for your iPod or MP3 player. Welcome to Group Quest, the new roundtable podcast from all things Azeroth, your World of Warcraft podcast. Join Medros as he gathers a strong group of voices from around the community to tackle the hottest topics of the month. And now, your host, Medros. And welcome to another great and hopefully very educational Group Quest podcast. I'm your host, Medros, and uh, I have, I think, a very, very nice uh, group of people with me today. First off, let me welcome our two people who've never been on the show before and never been on a Dawn Forge show before. First, let me welcome Lucas. How are you doing there, Lucas? I'm doing great. Thanks for having me. Good. And we also have Peggy as well. Hey, good to be here. Glad to have you. And you both are from the, uh, sorry, from the, which, sorry, which podcast again, sorry? <laughs> yes. <laughs> None in particular. Okay. Um, and uh, you guys are both teachers, so that's why we're kind of going with the education theme here, right? Guilty as charged. Awesome. Oh yeah, we also have our uh, a regular on the show here. We have Chris Blatt. How you doing, there, Chris Blatt? Middle school is the one true horde. <laughs> okay, and lastly, you heard that in the background. We have Jen of Inside My Head, halfway around the world, Gemini Dragon, and probably other places too. Yeah, I'm all over the internet lately. <laughs> How's everybody doing tonight? I'm doing good. I hope I think everybody's doing good as well. Um, and of course, Chris Blatt is from the "I'd Rather Be Leveling" podcast. Indeed, so I forgot to mention that. So um, let's uh, let's first talk a little bit about the news because we do want to talk a little bit about the news because it's been a, bit, a pretty big news couple of days, <laughs> not not a week, but a couple of days. Uh, we did have the 4.1 patch PTR information leak out, and this is, I think, going to be a huge patch. Uh, we have Zolomon and Zulgarub both coming back as heroic five-man 85 dungeons. Um, we have uh, apparently a lot of class changes coming. Um, there is also the potential of the Firelands raid, as well as the Caverns of Time uh, Battle of the War of the Ancients um, raid being in this as well. Um, Am I wrong in thinking this is going to be a pretty big podcast? Or pretty, sorry, pretty big uh, patch, sorry? I think this is going to be a really, really big podcast. I'm glad to be on it. 
<laughs> Thanks for that, Spot. Thanks. So it's going to be a very big patch. Oh, goody. 20 computers in the middle school. I get to patch one at a time. <laughs> Fine. I mean, you can just have them all patch manually or, or automatically, can't you? Nope. Network. Middle school. Yeah, we, it, it usually is a pretty smooth process for us. It's just downtime, um, you know, while the students are very chomping at the bit to play. This, this is why it's best to do it overnight, I think. Though, what do you guys do on Tuesdays? If you guys, if you guys use WoW in the classroom, what do you guys do on Tuesdays when there's, there's maintenance? We read. Oh, they must yeah. love that. Once, once we explain to you a little bit about how our, we run our courses, um, you know, I, I play WoW for two hours after school every day, so Tuesdays are not an issue because the updates are always done already. But for the in-school, um, during the school day, on Tuesdays is the day that we read Tolkien. Okay. Good choice. Well, Tolkien is part of the course. It's one of the arenas in which we work. Oh, that's cool. Yeah, we'll talk a little bit more about that later. Um, do you guys think that... There, I, I've seen a lot of outrage so far on Twitter from people who are um, a little frustrated that Blizzard seems to be doing a lot of rehashing um, without a lot of really fresh and new content. Mm, not surprised. Well, Heroic Deadmines and Shadowfang Keep are pretty popular. What do you think, Chris Blatt? I think they rehashed a good portion of the entire world of Azeroth and gave us a lot of new content in those old settings. And some of those old settings don't even look like how they used to look before. I don't mind the fact that they're rehashing stuff because there's still a lot of new stuff. It's still a lot of revisiting what was there before and oh my gosh this is all different that and there's a lot of people who are playing the game now who never got to go into Zulaman or Zulgarub so this is going to allow them to get that experience that they wouldn't have been able to get otherwise I personally think it's a good thing yeah I fall into that category this is Peggy and um yeah I've been playing for three years but I, I really did miss a lot of the content on my first run with my first couple of tunes. So revisiting for some things, but for other things, it's it's all brand new to me. You know, there was no Dungeon Finder when I first started, so by the time you know, Dungeon Finder kicked in, I was already you know level 80 and didn't do a lot of the earlier content, never got around to it, so it's kind of cool. Yeah, there was a time when Zolgaro was the peak of, of my rating experience, and it's actually kind of depressing to run through those areas now and see it like completely empty. So um, at least they're going to do something with that space. I, I would feel bad if I was one of the developers and, and saw my work kind of trashed as it is right now, so I'm glad they're bringing it back. For sure, and it's really going to be fun to see some of that content brought back to current. Um, you know, a lot of people in the chat were saying, you know, that they didn't get to see that, or, or you know, they, they leveled right past that content because at, you can't hit, you couldn't hit Zulgrub until 60, but once you hit 60, you were already working in Outlands. And, you know, the same for Zulamon in, in Northrend. It's really not something that was all that done, um, or all that well, well done at level. You know, a lot of people did, you know, ZG and ZA above level, where you know, you could just plow through there with one or two people and, and clear the place without a problem. 
So that's kind of where I'm at with everything yeah. because my biggest character is probably like level 63 because I don't really focus very well when I'm playing WoW. And there's a lot of dungeons that I've gone through way higher levels than I should have because I missed it first time around or I didn't pick up the quest before the quests were more streamlined so I never got there. So yeah, I think there's it's always a good thing when um, they uh, revamp stuff. I'm going to go uh, turn off that phone. Hang on. <laughs> Sorry, guys. Not a problem. Um, so are you guys expecting that these dungeons will be a cakewalk or will they be as challenging as the raid versions were? I think looking at the item level they have there, it may end up being sort of like how the ICC five mans were when they first introduced them. Where people are like, oh, we're just breezing through heroics, we're breezing through heroics, we're, oh my gosh, that hurt. Wait, you, you mean if the Lich King catches up to you, you just die? Yeah. Yeah, I remember a few people who were uh, unhappy about that one. But in, in the end, I mean, the game is tough for a reason. Yeah, that's true. Are, are they bringing the mounts back? Has that been, uh, has anyone They're said? Different mounts. Yeah, mm. uh, according to the, uh, the data mining that was done by MMO Champion, uh, the Zulgarub mount, um, I believe, is going to be a, a panther, I believe. Uh, their bear is going to be a recolor or a new model, uh, and the raptor will also be a different model. Um, my co-host on All Things Azeroth, she actually tried very hard to get the, Zuma, uh, the uh, Zillion Tiger, and she was really upset when it went away before she could get it, because she, she was trying for several months before the, before the expansion actually hit and that change came about. But uh, she 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 wants to have the a shot at the tiger. I'm sure she'll be happy with the panther, though. I know a few people who uh, who liked the panther model from early vanilla WoW and are are happy to be able to see another uh, panther model coming back in. Uh, what do you guys think about the uh, the looking for guild interface changes that they've come out with? Um, this is essentially where the There'll be a tool in the game where you can say, these are the times I can play, and these are what I'm kind of looking to do, like raiding, five-mans, heroics, uh, PvP. And you can kind of really, you know, very finely define what you're looking for and what your playstyle is to find a guild that will really suit you. What do you guys think well, about a, that as an option? Well, if it stops people from spamming up trade chat with, you know, guild recruiting, here's when, over and over again, if they can use this to kind of recruit from, that sounds like a good thing. That will never go away. So yeah, I know. I can hope, though. The problem I have is that as, as the head of a guild, I'm not sure how people will be able to find my guild. Do I put myself down, my guild down as a casual social guild? You know, we're really not advertising for anybody who doesn't listen to the shows, so... Um, it really, I don't know if it would fit as well, um, for us, but for, you know, I've been part of a guild that did raid and stuff, and I want to know from the person who's doing recruiting for a guild, how that's going to work. And I don't know how that, I don't know how they're planning to, to work that side of it at this point. I don't know. And maybe it's just that I'm old school, but you know, having been a guild leader for around 10 years now and, and having gone through EverQuest into Dark Age of Camelot and, and through, uh, you know, into World of Warcraft, I don't know. There's something about it that I, I just have this sort of red flag about um, that it's sort of just it's further autom automating 
you know, the whole game and, and social experience. And, you know, there used to be a time where you had to actually communicate in chat logically and, and, and without spamming um, to find a good guild. And, and uh, there was a lot of reputation attached to things. And I don't know. I don't know how I feel about this. Yeah, Cogdis never advertised ever. And we have, well, we have 250 tunes in the guild, but uh, I think about 90 something unique accounts. We got some outside of game um, advertising from uh, journal articles and stuff, but you know we've never recruited. Well, you have recruited. You just haven't recruited in game. Your recruiting seems to have mostly been um, giving presentations on the WoW and School program. Right. In a live situation, I will you know have a slide up and invite people that that are interested in education and interested in games for education to. Uh, to join us to learn to game to game to learn, which is our, our mission. Okay. Um, what do you guys think about the fact that um, Blizzard is in this instance bringing out a, um, an, o an open area that players haven't seen legitimately ever, and that is Old Ironforge? Be right back, going to Old Ironforge. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, right. I'm excited. I want to see Magni. I said this last week when actually Rioral asked us a question on the the uh, the Uber Lorgasm episode, and it was really awesome to see that um, they are actually opening that up. That we'll actually be able to you know see the diamond you know form of Magni Bronzebeard, and I'm hoping they'll give quests or you know some content for that area. Not just opening it up so we can see his his stat his new statue figure. Well, if they're going through the trouble to make it, you know, something you can access, then one would think that they would send little quests to send you down there and see it. Otherwise, what's the point? Jigawick? No, you cannot mine Magni Bronze Beard. Oh no! More diamonds? No, oh, no, no mining Magni Bronze Beard. No. Okay. That'd be like um, a horde quest or something. You can mine Magni Bronzebeard if we get to go after Garrosh for the ivory that is sitting on top of his shoulders. No using a pickaxe near Magni Bronzebeard. Not even on the diamonds on the floor, okay? <laughs> Jeez, vultures. Anyways, um, lastly, uh, last bit of news I want to talk about here. Um, sort of related to what we'll be talking about later. And that is the 15 minutes of fame this week on the Wow Insider, the, on the Wow Insider blog, was the uh, interview with a uh, a student who used Wow and video game music in a choir. What do you guys think about that? I think it's awesome. Yeah, it, it was the um, the music was just amazing. So I want to hear that live. You yeah, actually go to one of those concerts and. Mm -hmm. and hear yeah, I've, they've been in my city a few times, but I've never had the money to go see them because it's not cheap to see them. But uh, uh, comparatively, I guess, to other concerts, I'm told they're fairly reasonably priced. I guess I haven't been to a concert in a while. Because <laughs> last time I went to a concert, $40 was expensive. And I'm told that, you know, $100 is expensive. So, yeah, I guess I'm a bit out of touch with the music scene. Um, but I'm, ex I'm excited to see, you know, more, you know, game and and wow music in different settings that are not typical with uh with the the usual music or or, or venue like 
wow in school and and this this uh, story of uh, the video game choir out of Berkeley College of Music using music in their their performances. So um, I would love to see this happen more and and really increase uh, as it goes on uh, in frequency because the more we can get wow spread out there, I think the better we can do in regards to um, making video game playing more accepted and mainstream and not this forbidden, oh my god, what are you doing kind of thing. Because you know what? I'm a bit tired of the, oh my god, it's a video game, kill it now. Or am I, or am I, am I the only one here? No, actually, I was, I was going to agree with you there. Um, I think... Uh... I think that it's a perfect example, the fact that you see this kind of thing, that is a good example or evidence that it is, the video game industry is becoming very mainstream, and that we're seeing a shift as as far as media consumption goes in our country and in the world, really. Um, I mean, just look at dollar sales um, of the industry as, as a whole compared to other uh, entertainment media, the music industry and uh, the film industry. I think it's a perfect example that we're seeing a shift to a, a, actually which is positive to me, uh, a much more interactive um, media format, which is great. Yeah, I, I was almost thrilled at last week's time they announced that they were going to be releasing the sheet music for a lot of the in-game music that they had. Just because, well, just for an example, the band director at my school plays World of Warcraft. The, one of the chorus teachers at my school is... Well, he plays Diablo. He's starting to get more into World of Warcraft. Imagine – well, I have a lot of students that play World of Warcraft. Um, just say, oh, you play World of Warcraft, so do I. Imagine the tie-in you can get between academic, rigorously structured visual arts lessons, um, music lessons, and all these things where we're expecting these students to perform very well and reinforce other curriculum areas at the same time. But on top of that, you have this tie into their hobbies and what they do when they go home and they're done with their homework. Yes. Yeah, what, you, what you're talking about here, um, there's a, a Professor Henry Jenkins um, wrote a book called Convergence Culture. And, and it's the, um, the way that these new medias are colliding and how, um, how the pop culture and the pop cosmopolitanism, as Constance Steinkiller refers to it, that emerges around these different forms of media um, kind of blurs the edges of distinction. And I think the example of the students using the music from WOW is a perfect example of that. And yes, it's going to lend us credibility and, and that kind of thing, but it's also it's such clear evidence of the fact that there's transference, and that's really what we're looking for. We're looking at the ability of a gamer to transfer all those wonderful things that happen, why we're so involved in the game, why we invest all the time and the money and the energy in game because of the engagement, because of that questing attitude that Jane McGonigal refers to. And the whole point is people are saying, okay, well, how do you get that? I am my best when I'm playing you know, I'm my best when I'm functioning as my tune. How do you get that transferred to the real world to tackle real world issues? And that's like, that's a beginning. That example of the students playing music. You know, that music was pulled out of that game and into the real world. And if we could also pull out the attitudes and the, you know, mistakes not being failure or dying and getting resurrected and trying again. If we can bring that kind of questing attitude back into the real world. That's the whole piece about what video games can 
do to benefit society. And piggybacking on that, um, I became an art integration teacher because anytime you have that overlap in the Venn diagrams, you are reinforcing both skills at the same time. If I teach an art lesson on origami that reinforces a lesson on fractions, then when they're doing origami again, they're going to be thinking about fractions. When they're thinking about fractions, they're going to be thinking about origami. And that reinforces both of them at the same time, even if you then put them in a situation where they're only doing one of those two things. Right. And this is a great way to tie it together as well. All right. Um, that said, uh, let's, uh, let's take a break from the talking about the news. Uh, and uh, before we get into our, uh, our talk about uh, the, the – major topics we're going to talk about in this show, which is education and gaming and education more specifically. Let's talk a little bit about our sponsor, and that, of course, is audible.com. For you, the listeners of GroupQuest, Audible is offering a free audiobook download with a free 14-day trial to give you a chance to check out their service. Now, we have several recommendations here um, from several of our guests for today's episode. The first first uh, recommendation that I want to recommend to give a shout out to is one from Peggy. You, you, you chose the Hobbit. Yeah, I, I think so. first of all, there's lots of different version, versions there available um, of the Hobbit. There's one read by a cast for a more sophisticated listener. Uh, there's one read by just one reader who's uh, really good. Um, and I think that um, a lot of people who have not been introduced to Tolkien, this is a great way to do it. And then once you finish with The Hobbit, you can move on to the Lord of the Rings trilogy. I think that's, you know, too often when the movies come out, people forget that there was a book before the movie. And the book is a whole different experience. And then you can get into the whole compare and contrast and what have you think. So it's, it's, uh, it's something I highly recommend. Awesome. Yeah, it's always always great to be able to read the book uh, first. And actually, we'll play a little bit of a sample from the book. Uh, that's, again, The Hobbit, uh, written by J.R.R. Tolkien and narrated by Rob Reiner. So let's listen to a bit of that right now. Bilbo got quite uncomfortable and even a little cross. Good morning, he said at last. We don't want any adventures here. Thank you. You might try over the hill or uh, cross the water. What a lot of things you do use good morning for, said Gandalf. Now you mean that you want to get rid of me, and that it won't be good until I move off. No, not at all, not at all, my dear sir. Let me see. Uh, I don't think I know your name. I do know your name, Mr. Bilbo Baggins. And you do know my name, though you don't remember that I belong to it. I am Gandalf, and Gandalf means me. Gandalf? Gandalf! That's a bit of a sample of The Hobbit. Uh, again, you can pick that up on Audible. And uh, next... And that, was, that was narrated by Martin Shaw, not, not oh, Rob Reiner. Sorry, okay. Martin Shaw. Sorry, my apologies. Um, and uh, that's... Uh, honestly, I, I gotta agree with MacGyver. I, I think I'd love to hear uh, some of the Lord of the Rings books narrated by Ian McKellen. Uh, because... I, I love his voice, you know, from the from the movies. He really sold me on the feel of the uh, of the book uh, and, and the, the audio from the book. So um, next up, uh, we have Foundation by Asimov, and that's a pick of Chris Blatt, right? Uh, no, I picked Ender's Game. 
they had an inert game two weeks in a row. Uh, <laughs> yeah. Another choice. Thanks anyway. He really okay. likes Ender's Game. <laughs> Ender's Game is awesome, but no, I, I could not pick Ender's Game after so many other people picked it as well. Uh, this is another great story. I, I love pretty much every book that Isaac Asimov has ever written, but Foundation was one of the first ones by him that I read, and it's actually a bunch of short stories that were later combined into a book. And it was pretty much, he had read the rise and fall of the Roman Empire, and he wanted to put that in a science fiction setting. So that's pretty much what it is. It's rise and fall of the Roman Empire, but done with a galaxy-spanning empire that is crumbling. And when they no longer have the technology during their dark ages to go from planet to planet, it really does crumble as a, as a society. And it's very interesting to look at the going from each little chapter where entirely new characters, entirely different generation, and seeing how it all progresses. If you like history and science fiction, you'll love Foundation. Okay, well, let's play a little sample of that here. Um, and... Uh... And we'll have one more, one more pick after this, then we'll get into the education topics. So this is Foundation by Asik Asimov. Selden found the field little more than a set of vague axioms. He left it a profound statistical science. The best existing authority we have for the details of his life is the biography written by Gal Dornick, who, as a young man, met Selden two years before the great mathematician's death. The story of the meeting... Encyclopedia Galactica. All quotations from the Encyclopedia Galactica here reproduced are taken from the 116th edition published in 1020 FE by the Encyclopedia Galactica Publishing Company, Terminus, with permission of the publishers. His name was Gal Dornick, and he was just a country boy who had never seen Trantor before. That is, not in real life. That is, again, a sample of Foundation by Asimov. Uh, and that one is narrated. Let me see if I can pull it up here. Uh, da, 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 da. It is narrated by. Assuming I can actually get this to pull up quickly, which it's not wanting to. So I'm just going to ramble just a moment while I try to actually. Yes, I know. Scott Brick is the narrator of that one, sorry. Um, and lastly, um, Jen, you're, you're, a, um, you're a dyslexic, yeah. I'm, most of our audience knows. Most how, everybody knows, it's pretty obvious after a while. Um, how, how is it was, for you for reading, reading audiobook, you know, using audiobooks versus reading actual books? Audiobooks are so much easier to process in a lot of ways, especially if you're talking about something like Tolkien, where half the words are made up that I've never seen before and can't decode. Um, it's a lot easier to just get the audio version and be able to experience the book as quickly and, you know, as easily as everybody that can read it. It's a lot better. I, I have read through Tolkien. It was really, really painful. There were a lot of passages I ended up skipping over. And the audiobooks are a really great way for people with... Um, dyslexia or other problems with reading that you know makes it a lot easier for people to to use and i know when i used to teach with special ed kids we would use audiobooks to kind of help 
give them some a way to comprehend the story as well as all the other kids that didn't have dyslexia or various other reading difficulties. So just wanted to put in my two cents on that since we're talking about education and technology and things like that. Okay. And we do have one more uh, sample to play here. Um, and this is a sample you chose, Lucas, right? Oh, yeah. Spectre is an excellent book. Highly recommend it. All right. Uh, let me pull up that sample here, and we'll play a little bit of Snow Crash. No. Noun. Definition 2. A. Anything resembling snow. B. The white specks on a television screen resulting from weak reception. Crash. Verb. Definition 5. To fail suddenly as a business or an economy. The American Heritage Dictionary. Virus. From the Latin, virus. Slimy liquid. Poison. Offensive odor or taste. First definition, venom, such as is emitted by a poisonous animal. Second definition, pathological. A, a morbid principle or poisonous substance produced in the body as the result of some disease. So that's again, Neil Stevenson's Snow Crash. Uh, and that is, I, I've read the book, uh, hearing it in audio form, it just makes it that much better. And again, for anybody who wants to uh, try the trial for audible.com, uh, you can again go to audibletrial.com slash quest, and that'll get you a free trial, 14-day trial with one free audiobook credit. You get to keep the book. You don't have to choose the books we give, but any book on, of the 85,000 books they have are definitely open for you. They have lots of different suggestions that you can, you can get, and we, we definitely want to you to try them out. Um, and honestly, if you're anything like me, I love to read books, but I don't always have the time to have paper in front of me. Um, and it's just much, sometimes it's much easier to read the book in audio format. Um, I'm hooked. I've, I got this, I got the trial. I've decided to keep the, keep the service and I'm already on my second book. Uh, so again, try that out. That's audibletrial.com slash quest for your free audiobook, and we definitely recommend you try them out, and I think you'll like them just as much as I have, so. Yeah, Let's... it's so worth it. It really is, and, and Snow Crash, just to plug that again, is a huge book, um, and it's only one credit on the service, so definitely um, great for trips and driving to work and things like that. Um, I just, I'm a huge fan of audiobooks, and Audible's so easy to deal with. Yeah, and, and I'm pretty sure all of the books that we suggested here are, are one-credit books. Um, the There are some two-credit books, especially if they're very long books, but uh, most of the books are a fairly reasonable cost. And even if you do want to read more books after you've read your one-credit, um, then you can always go and, and get a very good discount on, on extra credits and extra books. Um, and it looks like right now they have a sale on audible.com for uh, three credits. You get, you get them for 20% off. So um, definitely check that out again. That's audibletrial.com slash quest. All right. Now let's, uh, let's move on to our main topic, and that again is education, because uh, Lucas and Peggy, you're both, you're both teachers. You use, you use World of Warcraft and, uh, and video games in your classroom. Um, so I'm going to start off with asking if you can kind of outline what you do in your classrooms regarding gaming and World of Warcraft in particular, and then I'll let Chris Blatt take over with the rest of the questions, because uh, as, as a fellow teacher, I'm sure he knows a bit more about this than I do. 
Yeah, sure thing. Um, well, I'll, I'll go ahead and start, uh, give you a little bit of background about the project, and uh, and then, of course, I'll let Peggy share. Um, our our, um, our respective projects are very similar uh, and tied together, um, but the implementation is a little bit different from um, my school to her school. Um, I work as a district-wide, actually, in a small rural district uh, in southeastern North Carolina, and um, you know, having been a gamer, and, and I taught high school science for about seven years before taking this role as an instructional technology coordinator, and um, it was my students who got me um, into gaming, um, into online games, I should say. I had been a gamer since Atari 2600 days and my Commodore 64 and all that good stuff, so uh, I've got my geek cred, um, but... Um, it was my students who introduced me to the world of online games, and, and it started with EverQuest. And um, it was at that moment, um, playing those games, playing with students after school, um, totally you know, not associated with what was going on in the classroom, that I began to make those connections. And, and that's one of the things that I really um, push teachers to do, is to, um, is to really learn to put on what I call my teacher glasses, or your teacher glasses, and being able to look at, at anything, any media, um, but especially video games with an instructional um, mindset uh, and thinking about that. And I also, as I was um, getting into uh, World of Warcraft and, and having you know, been in EverQuest and Dark Age of Camelot and a few other smaller MMOs from here to there, um, I started my instructional uh, design or, or instructional technology program, master's program. And um, again, I started making those connections and thinking, wow, this game does an incredible job of teaching and, and it's a perfect example of really good computer-based instruction because it has to teach you how to play the game and there's a lot of learning that takes place and it does it um, perfectly scaled to your ability um, and that sort of thing so I thought man I, this is great we need to be using this in school and or using something like it in school and so um, I started to write down uh, some ideas that I had about, you know, if I could use World of Warcraft to teach um, this particular topic or that particular topic, whether it be science or language arts or, or whatever, um, you know, how would that look? What would it be like? And so um, I shared, I had met Peggy at uh, Games Learning and Society, which is a really good conference um, that happens every year in Madison, Wisconsin. And, um, and so I shared those ideas with her and I said, you know, see what you think about this. And, um, and she thought it was great and began to pass it around. And, and before long, um, this thing sort of began to take on a life of its own. And uh, we did some uh, testing uh, in our district with the technology just to see what our, our typical uh, classroom computers would, how they would handle World of Warcraft and then what level they would be able to run it, what the impact on our network would be, and those sorts of things. And then, um, and then I pitched it to my instructional team. Um, who is in our district consists of the assistant superintendent, the superintendent, our technology officers, our directors, and and those of which I'm a part. And I said, I've got this crazy idea, guys, I, and I want to see what you think about this. Um, and I have the money to do it for at least a year. And um, the beautiful thing about where I work, and, and I can't say enough good things about my district and the way um, the way that it works there is that. Um, we are not adverse to taking risks and uh, seeing, um, you know, what what will happen. If it's if it's for the benefit of students, then um, then we're for it, and if we can make it happen. And so, uh, they gave me the green light and the support, 
And so we uh, launched the program as an after-school program originally. Um, Peggy, um, I don't want to hog the mic here, so um, go ahead and, and talk about what that looked like and, and what your initial startup looked like. Well, the, the interesting thing is um, Lucas had been a gamer all along. I'm relatively new to the whole gaming thing. Um, I came to games from virtual worlds. Um, my experience with using virtual worlds was that um, we established the very first school on the Teen Grid of Second Life in 2005. So I had you know thousands of students and teachers trained in using Second Life to extend or enhance curriculum-based learning, you know, standard-based education. So I had already kind of crossed those hurdles of cutting-edge kind of stuff with my district. Um, and I, I have to say that the administration in my district is very visionary, and I had principals who just supported it all the time. That brought me out to games learning and society. At the same time, I had recently um, emigrated from Second Life, the virtual world, into World of Warcraft with a group of teachers, about a dozen of us, who kept saying, what's the deal with games? Because people were always confusing Second Life with a video game. And there's no game engine in Second Life. It's just a virtual platform. And I was always having to draw those differences and explain that, no, it's not a game. But I didn't know anything about games. So a group of us went into, went into WoW. We just picked a server that sounded friendly, and we formed Cognitive Dissonance. And really, the guild was just designed to be a communication and support group for exploring the implications and applications to teaching and learning that we were uncovering in the game. And I was just amazed as a new gamer at the scaffolded learning, the constructivist teaching. So when Lucas and I met up at, at GLS, I was like so chomping at the bit to do something in school and make those connections because... What our teacher guild started to determine, a lot of the discussions, the early day discussions, were all about the fact that look at, look at this learning, look at this engagement, look at how I'm always on the edge of comfortability, nothing is too easy, nothing is too hard, I can try again, there's, there's all sorts of resources available to me in and out of game, this is what education is supposed to be about. And, and I kept trying to figure out a way, gee, couldn't Blizzard just wrap their game engine and their multi-billion dollar company around our curriculum? Wouldn't that be great? Well, that wasn't going to happen. So we went into it to find our curriculum, and we pull it out of there. So when Lucas and I met, met together at GLS, it was like the synergy was just pretty amazing. We both knew what we wanted to do, and, um, and we started it in slightly different venues, but the after-school program is always the gateway for schools. When you want to try something new, something a little um, out of the, the realm of the well-received or the comfortable, um, you start it as an after-school club. And then once you establish the after-school club and you have some credibility and you have some evidence and you have some, uh, some specifics to point to um, and see why this is successful, see what's happening, see how they're learning, um, then you can move it into the day. You want to pick up the, uh, the the few things that we like to talk about with the after school club uh, last year, Lucas. Sure, uh, I would love to. Well, um, the students at uh, Cape Fear Middle School, uh, we had um, a, a wide variety of students, um, both racially and uh, uh, gender, uh, both genders represented, and um, 
most of these students were students who were um, at risk students, either at risk academically, um, at risk for attendance or behavior, um, and, and were part of an after-school program um, that was already going on. And again, this is another testament to my awesome team of, of leadership in our district who said, yeah, um, bring them on and we can just piggyback this onto our existing program. And, um, and it works so well. And uh, and I and I can't tell you um, how like just this I this this concept of ownership uh, that these kids took in this program um, once we got started. I mean, they they would literally leave their last class and run to the media center. We I mean, had to flag them down in the hall. Guys, slow down! I know you're excited to get in here, but slow down. And and the thing is. It wasn't all about World of Warcraft. Uh, the things that we did, and, the, and that's still the case. It's not all about the game, uh, and about playing the game. It's it's about because we would take time out and and hit the academic side of all of this, and and hit about leadership and and about being online you know, responsible, online and good digital citizens and that sort of thing. And yet they still craved it. They craved um, the the program and um, and just the the. I think it's because we empowered them. I think more than anything mm-hmm. is mm-hmm. that we said, um, you guys are, this is unique. No one else in the world is doing this, something just like this. And you guys are paving the way here. And, um, and so that's kind of how um, ours began to form up as an after-school club last year. And then Peggy, um, tell them about how yours um, came about and, and how that kind of gelled. And, and yeah, well, uh, well it was, it was two kind of, merged together it was right. really awesome it was awesome um i'm, I'm grinning ear to ear because i'm remembering the beginnings I, I had a different approach to uh, recruiting students first of all um i had very limited funds when we decided to start this up i actually <laughs> i actually got the pta to pay for it <laughs> and they just thought they were buying software um the head of the pta was very smart and very savvy and i gave her the three-hour lecture and rationale and resources and brain science and all that but she just went to the pta and said okay uh, we're gonna buy the middle school some software we left it at that but i had 13 accounts and I couldn't just open it up as an after-school club with only 13 accounts because I know I would have been mobbed and had to turn people away, and I didn't want to do that. So I went to the school psychologists and the school counselors, and I said, okay, get me 13 kids that don't have a tribe. Get me the kids that don't play a sport, that maybe feel a little like social outcasts, that, you know, they're not in the yearbook, they're not, they're not, don't play a musical instrument. You know, the kids that just need something. And um, and we we sent home a, a parent information sheet, one sheet, and a parent permission slip. And my 13 kids arrived, and uh, I, I didn't look at their IEPs. I didn't know anything about them. We got to play. We got to know each other. Um, I since have looked at their IEPs. I since have gotten to know their teachers. I since have explored, you know, their their academic histories. And the fascinating thing is that. Um, Eight out of the 13 were uh, ADHD, two were Asperger's, um, and one was autistic. They were all spectrum of some, so they're my A-team. And um, so that was my at-risk group. In the meantime, we put these kids together. You know, they were together in Vent. They formed their own guild. They uh, they generated uh, names for the guild and voted on them as a group. They, um, they wrote 
um, campaign speeches and, and voted in elected officers. Um, so there was this cross-cultural thing going on. And people, you know, look at me and go, what do you mean cross-cultural? It's New York and North Carolina. Well, hey, there were some really <laughs> fascinating cross-cultural conversations. And the one that always comes to Absolutely. mind, it, it was May 5th. And the kids are in Ventrilo. And one of my kids says, Feliz Cinco de Mayo. And one of the kids from North Carolina said, what? <laughs> and he said, it, it's Cinco de Mayo. And another kid from North Carolina said, what is that? Because we have a large Hispanic population up here. And, um, and he said, well, it, it's Mexican Independence Day. And my, my student proceeded to give them a lesson on what Cinco de Mayo was. And some of the kids in North Carolina started piping in. Oh, yeah, I remember that. Yeah, we learned about that. But the funniest thing was this little voice from North Carolina went, so could that be why we had tacos in the lunchroom today? <laughs> it was just like, oh, yeah. I just loved it. I just said, you know what? This is what it's all about. You know, That's right. Those are our it wild is. players. <laughs> yeah, that's them. So they, uh, when we were generating names for the guild, you know, they had their, your, your classic, you know, uh, typical testosterone pumping uh, names for guilds that they had brought up. But then they had, we, we, Lucas and I kind of generated out of their suggestions about 10. We took 10 of them and let them vote on those. And um, when I was talking to my kids, I said, you know, yeah, you want to be powerful and you want to be strong and you want to kick butt, but you also want to represent a little more than that. You know, we've talked about honor and we've talked about doing the right thing and we've talked about, you know, how that can be cool and courage and, and these kind of things. So I really thought um, to piggyback on the conversation we gave them about, you know, if you guys have to realize that you're the only ones in the world doing this. And if you do it right, you're moving education forward where it needs to go. And if you do it wrong, nobody else is going to get a chance. Nobody else will get a shot out of it because, you know, they'll go see and they'll point to it and they'll say, that's what happens. You can't go there. So one of the names they came up with for the guild was the legacy. And they, you know, uh, Keen is the player's name who suggested it. And he said, uh, he said, well, if you told us if we do it right, other kids will get to do it. So I'm hoping that if we do it right, we'll leave a legacy for the kids coming up in school now that they'll get to do this too. So I thought that was kind of a neat, you know, those are the kind of things that emerge. Those little, you know, windows into their self-esteem being built up. And, and you know, we call them heroes. They walk into the room, it's my heroes are here, you know. And uh, it sounds a little campy, but they love it. They really do. I've got three, four kids that come back from the high school to play this year and in, in our second year because they graduated from middle school. But this means so much to them that they literally come back Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday after after the high school. They come back, they do their homework in the library while the uh, middle school is finishing up its day, and then they all get together and play. So, I mean, I've got all sorts of stories like that about about how involved and invested and, and really um, dedicated to this guild and to this program they are. Mm -hmm. Yeah, the, the ownership piece is huge. I mean, they really have taken... Uh, an ownership of it, and it's their program, and that's what's really cool about it. Yeah, we're going to let you get a word in now. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, I was talking with um, Medros about this before the show started, about how he was going to have a podcast with four people with education degrees on it, and <laughs> did he what hair length the show would be? Because once you get a teacher talking about something they're passionate about, they won't stop. Oh, that's right. 
<laughs> it's true. Yeah, and it's true for the kids, too. Yeah, oh, definitely. But that, I, you I, just said the key word. The key word is passion. Mm -hmm. That's what's missing in school. Passion. I don't care for why, but we have not allowed them to find their passion points, I call them. And if a child finds their passion point, then all the other stuff is going to flow because they're going to have to learn all those things that they that we want them to learn to go and support their passion. You know, if their passion is 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 building skyscrapers, they're going to have to go learn that math and they're going to have to go learn all those other skills that we want them to learn. But if you're just shoving a textbook and a problem and a worksheet in front of them, there's nothing that elicits passion there, no matter how good the teacher is. I need math to figure out if my warrior's hit capped. Mm-hmm. Or yeah. compare the stats on your armor or go to the auction house and see if you can bust it. Oh, yeah. Well, the auction house is an entire economics unit mm -hmm. in and of itself. It is. Yeah, exactly. Oh, yeah. Okay. Well, I do have a few questions for you. I know you have to get going soon, so I'm going to skip a bunch of these. Um, there are a lot of people who hear about taking middle school students and having them play World of Warcraft and think it's a great idea, but there's a whole bunch that don't think it is. And some of them, admittedly, have never seen the game. They're just saying, oh, wait, World of Warcraft? You know, that's not a kid's game. Some of them play the game. My sister plays the game, and she didn't think it was a good idea, and she's got an 85. What are some of the things you say to your detractors, the people who say, I don't think you should be doing this? Because? Give me the because. Yeah, because okay. there's there's a million. There's a list a mile long. So which one do you want us to address? All right. Well, I've, I've got a few here. Um, this game is too violent. You're teaching them to go around and hit things with a big sword. Okay. My first real simple answer to that is, <laughs> excuse me, does your school have a football team? Next question. <laughs> That's an excellent answer. If you go to the mother of the captain of the football team and you say, how can you allow your son to participate in this violent sport? She'll turn around and get all huffy with you and say, I beg your pardon. My son's learning leadership. He's learning teamwork. He's learning critical thinking. He's learning problem solving. That's what they're learning. And wow. Without having to have their knees reconstructed. But, so, but football teams don't use swords. No. Right. But I mean, have do do we also we I mean we encourage them to read Romeo and Juliet, and I don't know if you recall the the actions that happened in that book, but we call it a classic and we laud it as as high learning. You um, want to go further back from that? What did you read your two year old before they went to sleep? <laughs> Grimm's fairy tales. Give me a break. And the bottom line <laughs> is, you know, the bottom line is kids know the difference between. Cartoon violence and real violence. Kids know when they have entered the magic circle. Okay, the magic circle is the play zone. They know the difference. Example, when you're a little kid and you play house and you run around humming because it's your job to sweep the kitchen floor or do the dishes or whatever it is, or you play school and you, you know, you, you, you're in this, the game zone, you're in that magic circle and it's enjoyable. But then when the real world comes in and mom says sweep the kitchen floor, it's a chore and it's a task and it's not enjoyable. There's a big difference. And kids know the difference between the game zone and the real world. They know the difference. I mean, come on, we were all raised on Looney Tunes. Anybody here drop an anvil on anybody's head recently? I have no comment about my day to, um, yesterday. 
Okay. <laughs> you get my point. You get my point. That that there's 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 violence is pervasive in our society. And what we really need to make sure that, that it's not just the one or two percent of kids that can't make that differentiation because they're going to be just as susceptible to TV violence or movie violence or book violence or, you know, whatever it is. Okay, um, another situation. And this is one that w when I brought up blogging to the administrators in my building, I got a very similar question from them. So when you have your students go online and start playing World of Warcraft. They mm -hmm. are entering an online environment mm -hmm. that is full right. of millions of other people. Mm -hmm. Crazy people Absolutely. too. Nutty sure. people. <laughs> All sorts of people. Whack jobs. Yeah. Everybody's let, let me, if I may, let me give an example of, of exactly how we dealt with that and a perfect example from this year. Um, and, and this is something, first off, it's important to remember that our kids are doing this anyway. Um, they're they're engaging um, with the online population outside of school, whether it be through Facebook or or video games or whatever. But keep, one of the things that that happened um, early on in our program uh, is actually the first day that our students logged in, and this was a girl who had um, a student of ours who had no prior experience with World of Warcraft. And as she's you know having her ooh ah moments, and she really was, it was like oh look at this, look at this, and she was playing with Janai in the starting area, and she's running around, and then she sees another avatar, another PC or player character, and and she you know this person runs up to her and actually begins to talk to her. Hi, how are you doing? And and she the girl immediately raises her hand and says, what what do I do? Well, I said, well, what do you need to do? Talk to them, be polite. Um, Talk to see what you know. You, you can engage in conversation. So I monitored um, the discussion that went on, and and the pl person asked them, "Well, where are you from?" And she looked. The student looked at me for guidance, which is exactly what we need students to do, and exactly where we need teachers to be in that guiding position. But we 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 spend too much time blocking and and mm -hmm. preventing these mm -hmm. kind of interactions in schools mm -hmm. that they're not getting. It. They're not getting it at home because parents don't know, can't keep up with this stuff. Um, and, and a lot of teachers can't. So, you know, why do we try to prevent these kinds of things? We need to encourage these kind of interactions and we need to guide them. And so I said, well, you can tell them that you're at school, which was actually elicited a very funny response from this person because they were in total disbelief. Um, and, and we talked about what's appropriate to share. And so at that moment, I told everyone, okay, um, everybody turn around away from your keyboards and turn your monitors off. Let's have a discussion. Uh, let's talk about what just happened here. And so I had this student explain what happened. I said, let's talk about what's appropriate to share and what's not appropriate to share online. And that had a total context and irrelevance to the students versus me as a teacher getting up and lecturing to them and saying you shouldn't be on Facebook or you shouldn't be on Twitter or whatever. You shouldn't be writing and, and sharing in all these places because you don't know what kind of weirdos are out there. Well, of course there are weirdos out there and there's a lot of a lot more normal people that it's good for them to interact with. They're going to be interacting with these kids in the real world, in the professional world anyway. We need to teach them. If you've never been on Xbox Live, you know exactly what I'm talking about. There is a pressing need for some some guidance and and digital citizenship in the online world, um, and World of Warcraft is a perfect venue for exploring that. School has got to reflect society, and the tools of school have got to reflect the tools of the society. There's something very warped 
if 90% of our kids are doing it outside of school, that we don't allow it inside of school. There's just something very warped about that. Right. And the teachable moments, I mean, I, I handled it a little bit differently than Lucas. I gave guidelines before we got started. But those guidelines were just kind of, you know, in the realm of ideas until the kids started playing and interacting. And then, I mean, then it was one after another said, you know, somebody just asked me how old I was, you know, and I just ignored them. These, you know, these kind of things. And, um, you know, last night I was playing and one of my students has his own account now, one of the ones who's in high school. And he whispered me and I did not recognize his name. And I happily was on my toes and I answered back, I'm sorry, I don't recall having met you. Can you give me some information about who you are? And he wrote back, Austin M. He knew better than to put his last name in there. And we were in a whisper. I mean, that's the kind of thing where I say, good, okay, we're doing our job here. Good job, you learned. <laughs> I'm sorry. I'm just like basking in the the glory that is wow in school. <laughs> yeah. So what we didn't get to tell you about was that um, after our first year as an after school program with the kids playing together, uh, Lucas and a, a a colleague of his, Craig, um, I, I don't know where they found the time, but Lucas wanted to talk a little bit about the development of the curriculum over the summer. <laughs> Well, we're still finding the time. In fact, we, we sacrificed last Saturday, a good eight hours last Saturday to spend time working on it. Um, <clears throat> just, just uh, and I'll keep this, you know, fairly brief because I could go on and on about this too. So um, our principal at, at the school that we're hosting this uh, at, at Cape Fear Middle, just said, um, this is incredible. The things that I see when I come in here into the after-school program are amazing. What can we do to, to expand on this and to move it to the next level? I said, well, it needs to be in the regular school day. We need to not be just an after-school club, but we need to be an academic part of the academic day. And uh, she said, well, can we make that happen? I said, oh, oh yeah, we definitely can. So, um, so Craig and I have set out to work to put together a fully – uh, comprehensive language arts um, elective course and so uh, we're actually um, in the process of developing that it's um, completely tied into the National Common Core standards and it uses World of Warcraft as the vehicle for exploration of of all kinds of things about uh, literacy and writing we have the students reading The Hobbit um, as a parallel reading and we're really looking at the students as a hero and following their journey as a player in World of Warcraft, paralleling that to Bilbo's journey through the world of The Hobbit, um, and then also tying in real-life experiences. And the students are writing, uh, they're reading, they're creating, and they are having a blast. And, um, and again, they're running to class. Um, and I don't see this with the other classes, and I thought, right. hmm, something's up. And um, we're going to be releasing the, all of that curriculum. For anybody else who wants to come on board and, and try this out and expand on it or tweak it or, or whatever, or just use it as a model, um, you know, it's going to be all released and out there. So we'll be glad to share it with anyone. And now in my school, um, by the time that, that I knew this was really going to happen, I went to my principal. It was like in May. And, and he, I said, uh, we're ready to do this during the day. And he said, I can't put an elective up now in May. The kids have already chosen everything. And I said, I need to teach this next year. What do you got for me? And he said, let me think about it. And by the time I walked from his office back to my office, he was texting me, come back, I got it. And I came back and he said, I got the 
Learning Center kids. They are not on a regular bell schedule, and you can have them for two hours a day. Now, we all know about the Learning Center kids. We all know about that special room in every school and those little buses that come to school. Now, I thought to myself, okay, I'm going to really have to tweak this curriculum for these kids. And then I said, no, that's what they're used to. That's what keeps happening to them. So we are doing the exact same curriculum that Lucas's mainstream kids are doing. We're on week four. We're just taking it nice and slow. And they, okay, these are kids who are, have been seriously identified as learning disabled in one way, shape, or form, whether it's a social or a spectrum or some kind of an issue. And I'm not a special ed teacher. I have no background in special ed. So, but let me tell you, their special ed teachers are reporting back to me that the, the, the gains they're making are incredible, that their attitude is incredible. You know, they're holding their heads up higher um, because they're the only ones that get to do this during the day. And, and um, I can't – now another school joined us, Seminole County Schools, where they're working in as, as an after-school program as well. But um, a school here in New York, Scarsdale, um, put it in as an English language elective. And we've got a couple other schools looking at it to put it in as a gifted program. <laughs> now, what – Another problem that comes up is, you know, it's it's kind of pricey depending upon your technology budget or the budget you can pull from because you have to buy the, the software and you have to buy the expansions and you have to buy the game cards. And But what I did was Lotro is a free download. I put that on 50 of the computers in my library and I'm now using that curriculum, which is, you know, reading um, The Hobbit with kids playing Lotro. And I'm recommending that that goes out there as an idea because if you can't afford the financial budget of, of swallowing the World of Warcraft piece, you know, with the game cards and everything, Lotro is a free download. It's an MMO. It works just as well um, with this prescribed curriculum. And anybody who gets their hands on the curriculum is going to look at it and tweak it and change it a little bit for their particular population. But as Lucas said, it's still designed to support English language literacy and and the hidden curriculum within the gameplay, the hidden curriculum within the socialization, um, what the kids are teaching each other. I mean, I don't know how many times I said to this one particular child, try not to shout out. Try not to shout out. That was his spectrum. That was his MO. He, you know, he, you know, impulse kind of shouting out. But when the kids in the guild said it to him, he'd listen. He stop and listen and say, "Oh, okay, I'm sorry. I'll try again." You know, so it, it's like there's so much power here that we haven't even scraped the surface because of the whole piece that they're working as a guild. They've got that guild spirit. There's mentorship and apprenticeship going on. It's it's a phenomenal thing that's going on, and we really um, we really want to extend that invitation to other schools to join us. See, that's kind of part of what I was wondering about. I have some background working with special needs kids, especially kids that are on the autism spectrum and um, various other things. And I was wondering if they were using the tools, the social tools they were learning in the game, like you were talking about with the kid that used to yell and, and you know, have outbursts and, and shout. Um, are they using those skills that they're learning like within their guild or within the game 
and taking it into the real world. Like, are they now able to like start a conversation with someone in the cafeteria since they know how to start one in World of Warcraft? That kind of thing. Have you seen any of that going on with this? I actually have evidence of that. And and what I did was, you know, because there's no Scantron state test that's going to measure this stuff. Um, so I, I interviewed all the kids last year at the end of the year, and I asked them just some simple questions about, you know, what have you learned? What did you like? What could be better? Do you want to do this next year kind of questions? And one student in particular, all of them mentioned, well, the things a teacher would want me to talk about, I've learned are, are I've learned time management, I've learned map skills, I've learned a ton of math, I've learned vocabulary. So they know what you're looking for. But then I said, well, what about what, you, what was important to you? Um, and they said things like, well, I've learned when it's okay to say something and when you should not or maybe you should frame it differently. Um, I've learned uh, it's easier for me now to, to, to have conversations. I'm, I feel a little more comfortable in my classes. So we are seeing a real-world transference of these skills that they're developing. I was hoping that was the outcome with that because it's so hard to practice those skills in the classroom in a way that's going to lend itself to like real world situations you know there's a whole difference between sort of scripted okay you're going to pretend this situation right, right. you're going to pretend that person your friend here is a stranger and you're going to try to talk to him in class there's a whole different thing than getting a kid to like do that in class and be successful with it in a perfectly controlled environment and get them to do it outside of that environment so if they're taking it from a comfort zone like world of warcraft and they're able to adapt that into talking to strangers talking to kids in their classes and things like that that's amazing yeah it, it, it really it, when, is yeah when you're when you're a you know when i'm a night elf with really scary teeth and you're a night elf with really scary teeth you know that there's it's okay we can talk to each other <laughs> uh, jigawick from our chat room actually asks um what has been the biggest hurdle that you've had to traverse to get for these programs to get them running and and all of that hmm I really, you know, as, as I said before, you know, my hurdles were five years ago with bringing a virtual world into school, you know, because Second Life had all this hype around it that it was all sex and drugs and rock and roll. Um, so I had to, you know, pretty much clarify all that and talk about the estate settings, the security and what have you. So most of my mountains were climbed. Um, question, you know, not one single parent you know, I invite the parents in, come and see, you know, when you come to pick your child up, come in five minutes early and, and watch what's going on. Um, but n no parents have given me any negative feedback. I've gotten a lot of positive feedback. In, in fact, the other point I wanted to mention was four of my kids, I have 20 kids in the after school program this year, um, apart from what we do in, in within the school day. And um, four of them are English language learners. They're playing World of Warcraft, and I don't let them speak Spanish during game time. In fact, I put an English speaker between them. <laughs> and whenever I hear them speaking Spanish, you know, I, I, I right away say in English because I want them to practice their English, and I want them chatting in guild in English and stuff. Well, one child was going to be moved from um, from one class to another and was not going to be able to participate because of it. His father hired a translator and came up to school and said, as long as he can still play World of Warcraft, don't take this away from him. Because he said, this is why he comes to school. This is why he's different this year. This is why he wants to learn, because he wants to do better at this. 
Okay. Yeah, and, and I can say uh, from a point of barriers, um, there have been so incredibly few barriers. And, and again, um, it's just I'm in the right place at the right time. Um, I, I suppose the biggest barriers are that we're wanting to look at expanding the program right. to other schools in our teachers. district. And it's the teachers, um, yeah. and I don't mean that necessarily in such a in, in such a bad connotation. It's just finding the right person um, that that will have the passion and love the kids and and use the game as a vehicle and um, see the value and see yeah, the yeah, connection, exactly. see the because curriculum. Teachers, the teachers, even in my own district, are some of the hardest sell on this. Um, the principals, the administrators get it, um, the parents get it, the kids obviously get it, um, but, but our, our teachers are, are our hardest sell, um, and, and that just, that's only a barrier when we're talking about expanding the program. Is the problem because the teachers aren't gamers? Like, exactly. I grew up playing video games, I, I, so I mean, to me so. it's natural, but yeah, yeah, and so I, don't, yeah I, don't, I don't blame them. Uh, I mean, they, they, don't, they don't know because they don't game. Um, it's it's just also, it's like technology with anything else. It, you know, yeah. it, it involves the computer. It, it, it involves, you know, you look over somebody's shoulder at a World of Warcraft interface, you know, and you're going to go, oh, my God. You know, what are all those buttons? What are, what's all that text jumping out at me? You know, everybody's running around and moving, and, I, you know, I can't do that. No, no, you no know, they're they, back road. They, it's just buttons. They don't understand that there's, you know, an incredible wealth of lore behind it. They don't understand that there's, you know, little mini lessons going on all the time, little scaffolded lessons that the game teaches you how to play. The one teacher that I did um, start to teach with and she started playing, immediately got it once she started playing. Once she started playing, she said, I get it now. I see. And she was, you know, by no means a tech savvy person, but she got in there and she, you know, I said, as long as you read. And that's the same thing I tell the kids. If you're not going to be successful if you don't read, read everything on your screen, read every quest, read read it again. The clues are in there. And, and I have I have put I'm sorry I've, I've put teachers in front of the um, and and done professional development with World of Warcraft, and that helps to mediate that some. <laughs> um, but they need that continuous. I, I would love to see what a school would look like if instead of having staff meetings. Uh, this year, mm -hmm. everyone is given a World of Warcraft account, and mm -hmm. we will have official meetings followed with a follow-up raid on Wednesday nights instead of having staff meetings on Wednesday mornings. <laughs> or and then, of course, you can play whenever you want to outside of that. What would that do? What would that do to a school and a school culture? That would be very interesting. There's plenty of corporations that have figured it out. There's plenty of corporations that do it. See, the only problem is the rogue who law, who, who wanted the uh, the war glaives and the hunter got them instead. There'll be all <laughs> kinds of bad blood in the uh, well, everything's hunter loot anyway. We know that. <laughs> <laughs> well, what do you those say, who play hunters. I totally let Medros roll on that mace. <laughs> were, were there any other um, specific um, questions about well, I, actually. Uh, not, not that I saw about hurdles. Um, I did have one other question myself. If you were to, if you were to go into a presentation to others and say, have to give five benefits of using War, World of Warcraft in your classroom, what would you say are the top five benefits for the students? Like, what what skills can they learn from this from this ability to learn via World of Warcraft? 
You name any curriculum area, and I'll tell you that there's connections to it in World of Warcraft, but the most important thing that happens is engagement, ownership, investment. The kids are reading like crazy, and they're writing like crazy. Mm -hmm. and, and I would add to that that um, the way that the, the game environment approaches failure is completely the opposite of the way that schools approach failure, yep. whereas um, failure is something you expect in World of Warcraft, and in fact, we, we like it because it's an opportunity as a gamer for us to learn, and failure in a classroom is a punitive thing, and, and it, it goes against us, and we fear it, and we hate it, and the same thing goes whether I'm talking about assessment um, I hate tests in school. I love tests in World of Warcraft because a test means I'm, I'm raiding with my guild or I'm doing a quest. Um, it's, and, and there's just, everything is contextual there. So all the learning that, that we're doing with our, our in-school program is, is contextual. It's based on something that is relevant because I'm a player and I'm a player in this world and every lesson relates to this in some way or another. Um, and so it's, it's very easy to pull that out. Um, and any lesson that you offer. Right, and the experiential learning, I mean, no, you can't measure that on a standardized test with a Scantron and a bubble sheet. But when is education, this is, you know, my message lately, when is education going to start to realize that the learning experience itself has to be inclusive of the assessment? You know, World of Warcraft, you can't get to level 18 until you finish level 17. And all the content in level 17 is mastered. And then you're capable of moving to level 18. And nobody hands you a test at the end of it and says, you know, fill in these bubbles, answer these questions. You turn around and you point to my experience. You say, I did this and I did that and I did this and I did that. You know, so, so therefore I have mastered this content and I can move forward. I've actually been toying with um, my middle school classes are on a nine-week plan. So I see my students for nine weeks for one quarter and then I don't see them again. I've been toying with having one of my quarters be an experience points quarter where instead of giving them traditional grades for each project, I give yep. them experience points. And they, that's what we do. They level up, their grade goes up. The only thing that's keeping me from doing it right now is we have an online grading system that is very specific in what we are allowed to require, and I have to find some way to make that system mesh with the other one. I have to translate the points some way between the two. Yeah, Aaron, you know what we did? Um, and, and this has been very interesting. We told the kids, do not worry about grades. Forget grades. You all get an A for all we care. And then we told, this, told them this on day one. However, we said, you're going to get experience points for every assignment that you do in this, in this course. And you're going to get so much experience that you're going to level up to level one, level two, level three in the class. Um, we want you to continue to add XP points and continue to level. Um, don't worry about the grades. Now, our barrier there has been parents <laughs> that are just freaking out like, what does level three mean? And so just getting them to relax and say, forget the old way of doing things in school. We, we, grades and 100% scale and all that is out the window here. Um, th this is how we're going to do it. And this is a, a, even a better uh, assessment of, of your child's learning because it shows what they've mastered. And um, it's been challenging because we also have an online grading system in North Carolina. Um, and we just 
you know, we've been going ahead and giving it we just as best we can scale it out to some reasonable grade, and nobody's getting anything less than a C. That's we're not out to fail kids, um, and everybody's pulling their weight. All the kids are pulling their weight anyway, and so that's that's how we've been handling it, um, and and it's working beautifully. All right. Um, well, um, I think we're probably going to wrap it up uh, for uh, for this episode here. Um, so, uh, Peggy, how about you tell us how we, how people who are listening to this can find you, find more about this and get more information about what you're doing here. Yeah, sure. Um, my, my Twitter handle is Peggy Sheehy, P-E-G-G-Y-S-H-E-E-H-Y. And my email is Peggy Sheehy at Mac.com. Okay. And Lucas, how about you? All right. Uh, my name is Lucas Gillespie and my Twitter handle is uh, at PCS Tech, and you can also email me at lucas at edurealms.com. That's L U C A S at E D U R E A L M S.com. And edurealms.com is also the blog that I uh, write and muse about using games and education and, uh, and those sorts of things. Awesome. And uh, Jen, how about you? Well, most of you know that you can find me at um, All Things Azeroth every Monday in the chat room. You can send me email at jen at allthingsazeroth.com. I also do a couple of podcasts. I do the Inside My Head podcast, which is at jen.phantompower.org. And I've recently started uh, co-hosting the Halfway Around the World podcast, which you can find over at... Uh, let's see, halfway.dawnfordshows.com. Those are just a few of the things that you can find me at online. I have a lot of online stuff, but uh, I'll stop there. <laughs> All right, and Chris Blatt. Um, my Twitter, my blogs, my podcast, if you go to myguildhome.com, you'll find them all linked there. Awesome. And, of course, you can find us at thegroupquest.com. You can find our network at thedawnforge.com. Check out more great shows at dawnforgeshows.com. And our sponsor, of course, is Audible. Try them, try the, uh, check out the trial at uh, audibletrial.com slash quest. And we will see you next week for another Group Quest podcast. Thank you for listening to Group Quest. This is your announcer, David Grizzly Smith. We look forward to your comments on our website, thegroupquest.com. Theme music for the show is Intended Force from Kevin McLeod of Incompetech.com. This program is copyright 2009 through 2011 by Don Forge Productions and is released under a Creative Commons Attribution Non Commercial No Derivatives 3.0 license. This has been a Dawn Forge production, copyright 2011. Find great podcasts and more at thedawnforge.com. <laughs>